You just tuned in with Defiance the Dawn. Live on the chopping block. Prepare to level the game with the knowledge of street science. Turn your speakers up and let's get into it. Oh, that hurts so good, man. That's the shit you remember when you forget everything else. <laughs> Hey, what's going on? Welcome to an episode of The Chopping Block. This is your man, Defiance the Dawn, Corey Austin. Y'all might be know me by many different names, but it's all the same man behind the scene doing his thing. I'm glad that y'all were able to tune in. This is episode five, and we are popping it off live right now. Um, over here in Southern California, reporting out of Oceanside, so... I'm glad that I get to chop it up with my people. Glad that y'all are able to be here today. So, yeah, we're going to get into some stuff today and uh, touch on a few different topics. Right now, it's been a lot of work on my side trying to prep with this whole go concentrate thing. I don't know if you had heard on the last episode I was talking about how I'm going to bring a magazine back, but... I really want to do something digital this time versus trying to do the publication. What we used to have when it was IHE Magazine, and then I used to do um, one called The Resource. And we did a print magazine that was in like Circle K, 7-Eleven, a lot of different uh, magazine stands from LA to Orange County, Riverside, uh, down to San Diego. So we really tried to get it in the Southern California region. And then also I would ship out a lot of the publications to uh, some of the key features that were in um, the magazine. And it was a good, real good thing that we had going. But now I'm thinking of trying to change the tide a little bit with being able to reach really a digital avenue and a digital audience just because there's so many people that you can reach and taking a new perspective on it. It's really exciting at this time because the Go Concentrate, we really want to try to bring a highlight to different businesses, independent businesses, entrepreneurs, give advice and guidance on those types of things and talk about health and nutrition and really um, a mentally and physical healthy way to get you to think about topics that affect you personally and then also social topics that affect your surroundings and the people around you. So it's kind of been an important task of mine to really find how I make those worlds fit and bring them together so I have something to present that really works for the audience, for all you guys out there and then potential people that want to come into the fold. We're looking into bringing to the forefront a lot of things that are going on in the cannabis industry right now um, with the Concentrate magazine. It kind of just goes perfect with it with not just, oh, um, the getting high and just smoking a blunt and getting fucked up and just wanting to be high. No, I want to be able to focus on some of the medicinal properties because there's a lot of breakthroughs that are coming in with hemp and the CBD oil really that we want to incorporate and talk time. about 
from but uh, um, anyway, you know, so look out for the that girl concentrate a lot of people. I'll, I'll keep y'all updated with does. what we're doing okay. and some of the turning points with that. But with some of the stuff I know that we have going on right now, a lot of talk looking at government, Trump, people looking at, you know, thousands that are struggling with the shutdown as far as being able to have a federal job, a government job. And there was a time actually when people would talk about, oh, you got a government job, you got a good job. And that was associated because not really just the pay, but it was known for having such great benefits. So everybody was always ranting and raving over the benefits you can get from being employed by the government. And it's like almost a double-edged sword now because it's like you're employed by um, as a government administrator or a government official, but your livelihood is on the line, unfortunately, right now because how someone else's politics come into play and now you're affected because there's a lot of personal beliefs. And it's a real hard thing. It's a real hard thing. And so many people are shouting for really wanting a change and wanting to see things different. And that's that's good in a sense because everyone should be able to have a level of thinking. So is the goose going to benefit the gander? You know, so everyone should have an opinion about this your efforts and a lot of your time, is it being used effectively? Is it being used efficiently by what you're doing? So those are the types of things that I think um, people are looking at. And I know I don't pay a lot of attention and I don't give a whole lot of um, stock into the political landscape of everything it's it's not always my core focus i know that there's a lot of people looking for a different avenues of how things can change and i know that there's one candidate that a lot of black americans are looking at where it's uh, kamala harris and she's a individual that's actually looking to run for a presidency in 2020 and so we have another woman that's going to run for presidential seat and a melanated woman that's of Caribbean descent, which Caribbean descent, that's part of my descent. You know, I, my mom came here from as a West Indian. So it's admirable for people to support this. And you see a melanated sister that wants to go there and try to do the run. And then you have another side that we look at and they're also looking at some other parts of hey is this the right person let's not just go ahead and throw a vote towards somebody that because they're of caribbean descent and they're a woman and we want to see these things so you have another side that also looks at kamala harris she was in office during a time that they were doing the tough on crime era that whole era during the clinton administration was very hard three strikes laws that they came out with and she was the district attorney in the early 90s and this is during a time where 
um, a lot of black males in some states were even imprisoned at a 10 to 1 compared to the rest of the dominant society. 12 of those states, half of the prison population is mostly black with there being up to a 72% ratio. And during her administration, she was part of enacting a lot of that three strikes law. So then there's people kind of on the fence. Well, how's that really work? Does she stick by the same type of stance that she had back then, today, where there was a huge disproportion? And of those that were even innocently convicted, when they were brought to the prosecutor's office, can't say her, her office didn't bring these findings to the Supreme Court. So those types of things, you know, people are having problems with. And you look at that political landslide and it, it's it's very interesting at this time. And um, to me, it's not so much if you're for or you're against. Um, I, I look at it a little bit different. And it was interesting because I was also watching something on Netflix that the artist Killer Mike, you know, he came out with and Killer Mike, he's he's a good dude, man. I really like his stuff. He came out with this Netflix special called Trigger Warning. If you haven't seen it, you may want to check it out. I don't really want to drop too many spoilers, but the premise that I liked about it, it brought back the thought to me about a lot of independence and ownership amongst how we actually live within the social construct that we have. I know one of the episodes were actually, it was pretty interesting. He had taken uh, Blood and a Crip gang that was out in Atlanta. And even how they do things out there, it's a little different. I'm Cali raised, so I've seen a lot of Crips and Bloods out here. And so the whole dynamic is different. But anyways... They were out there and they were doing an economic revamp of how they were thinking about doing things. Because we have the Bloods and the Crips that have had such a bad rap in media and just as they've been presented for so long. And they have nothing that's viable or sustainable to create out of their organization that's been around for decades. And... Killer Mike kind of brings to this to the attention that, look, you have biker gangs like Hell's Angels and stuff that can sell t-shirts and they can monetize off the name and they have been known as having a bad rap, but it's kind of glorified. And you look at America and we always glorified villains, whether it was Al Capone or Scarface, or Goodfellas, Mafia, Mobsters. This is stuff that people like. You even go on Netflix, and when you look at some of the crime films, people gravitate to that. Like even when they came out with the documentaries about El Chapo and Pablo Escobar, the Escobar, uh, they did like five different Netflix specials about that. People fall in love with this stuff, but when it comes to some of the black gangs, it's frowned upon. So he did something where he was able to create viable, sustainable soft drink that they're able to actually monetize off of. And they called it Cripacola and another one, Blood Pop. And they were showing how guys in their neighborhood can actually go ahead and create, you know, soft drinks, create a product 
that they can take market and brand and being able to create actual monetary system off of it where they can get paid from it and they're actually contributing back to their neighborhood their community and i thought it was real cool because it wasn't anything janky it wasn't low budget they had professional graphic designs they had professional distribution professional packaging went to marketing firms everything to go ahead and build this out to be a real cola and the thing was they used pure sugarcane. There was no high fructose syrup in it. There was no artificial flavors, none of that stuff. So it was actually a healthier soft drink. I don't personally drink sodas, but, you know, the cola was a lot healthier than the ones that were out on the market. And they were able to turn a profit off of it. So it was it was real cool that they were able to do that. I kind of looked at that and I'm like, wow, you know. This is kind of where I noticed there's a big change in how things have actually been created. And when we look at it, we have so many people that end up dependent now on what has been created that we don't have enough of skill-based type things or enough of the information, knowledge, or imagination to create something that's on our own. And there was another episode that they actually did that I did like that was around the whole idea of trades and skills. And uh, one of the episodes, you know, they were showing people how to actually do plumbing. And when you start thinking about carpenters and painters and welders, all the things that you see a lot less that kids, especially today, they don't really pick up. They don't really look at these skill-based, I guess, trades and take them in as much. And we look more what's kind of handed out to us and how society creates programs that we can rely on and intrinsically they kind of float onto our young people. I personally... Don't look at who's going to become the next president, because I personally believe that the presidency is selected and not elected. You spend your time worrying about who's Democrat or Republican. That's just a division to keep you pulling at two wings of the same bird, as far as I'm concerned. So the people, I feel, have an obligation to construct a working, viable society and that's not just built on dependency of the existing working model. But there's a strong conflict between that, that we have to be able to look at. And I, I go into some of the stuff that I even know to be true. And there's a great book by Ralph Epperson. And want to go into a more of a page that's in the book that makes a lot of sense and where he says man's right under this thought are not very secure government can change and with change man's rights can disappear knowledge of this fact did not escape americans founding fathers who wrote the declaration of independence we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, 
that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. Here, then, is the other theory of the source of man's rights. They are given to man by his creator. Man's rights are inalienable, defined as incapable of being transferred, which means that they cannot be taken away by anyone except the entity that has gave the rights in the first place, in this case, the creator. So here are two competing contradictory stories about the rights of man. One holds that they are given by the creator and therefore can only be removed by the entity that created them in the first place. The other holds that man's rights come from man himself and therefore can be limited or removed by man or by other men as determined by law. Therefore, the man who wishes to protect his rights from those who wish to limit them must protect himself and his human rights by creating an agency that has the power to exceed the exerted by those who violate human rights. The agency created is called government. By granting power to government to protect human rights also grants power to those that can abuse it as a vehicle to destroy or limit the rights of people who created the government. Those who wrote the Constitution realized that this tendency existed when they wrote the Bill of Rights, the first ten amendments to the Constitution. The purpose of these amendments is to restrict the power of government to violate the rights of the citizens of the nation. So, with this being said, when we think about that whole page that was uh, that was written government was created by the people in order to protect the people protect the people from power being abused and overused and that's the thing it wasn't made for people to rely on government in order for government to take care of people it was just supposed to protect the people from the power of abuse. And now we come into a time where we have people relying so much on what can be decided for them, what they need to live, how they need to act, where they need to seek their power, where they need to seek their joy, how they get their entertainment, how do they get pursuit of happiness. And uh, there was a time where young people would seek a trade because there was an industry that existed for it. People have less adaptive skills towards any industry right now. After a lot of the wars, especially after World War One, World War Two, Korean War, Vietnam, Industries in America were booming because there was so much that was brought back 
and so much demand that was needed during the time of the war. Wars are very expensive and very extensive, and they boom economies. And so war is profitable, and it's very good, and the rich and the wealthy know that. But for the people that are on the bottom, war is nothing that is beneficial, but it does go ahead and create jobs and it builds economies. So there was skill sets that people had to be able to utilize, whether you're working in steel mills or whether you were manufacturing vehicles, whether you were building out home appliances or things to be shipped overseas. These were all industries that existed. As corporations started to grow from this booming of economy after the industry started to grow, they started to seek out cheaper forms of labor in order to increase their profit margin. After a while, America, as it started to get into the technology race, things became more technological rather than industrial. And we saw ourselves starting to outsource more to our private prisons that were being built and to our third world countries like China and Vietnam to and Korea to build out a lot of our necessities, a lot of the things that we were utilizing. Um, we started outsourcing a lot of that stuff and factories and industrial uh, warehouses started closing down. And so the whole dynamic started changing a lot. And as we go on, we see that we've started creating so much technology that at the same time, it started to become a hindrance. This convenience started to go and create a laziness and a lack of motivation because now you have stuff that kind of works for you and you don't have to really work for it. And a codependency on the hard lifting and the heavy lifting, we want somebody else to do it instead of ourselves. We don't really want to do the heavy lifting. We just want to monetize quickly easily not work hard not have a trade and where you see a generation that has completely changed is looking for something bigger and stronger than you to give you the answers because critical thinking is at an all-time low and you decided that you don't want to force yourself to have to think I don't want to have to make a decision I just want somebody to tell me what to do that would be a lot easier. And that's where we kind of come. We're looking at so many of these lawmakers and policymakers and these people to make a decision for our livelihood instead of how do we go ahead and build out our social constructs ourselves? How do we go ahead and work amongst each other? There was a, t a time and day when they would have to barter between goods and different trades that each other had in order for somebody to get something that they needed. And they didn't wait for 
policy to be passed in order to tell them how they were going to go and obtain the goods that they needed and how they were going to spend money. They went ahead and worked it out as a people. And we can go back to ancient Egypt. Uh, we talk about Akebulam, Thebes. If we want to talk about Memphis, we talk about Greece. We talk about Rome. These were things, you know, even though they had senates, but they still had people that were able to organize together and work together. And that's the difference that we're really seeing. There would be local guys even in, in your own neighborhood that would help to change the game. And a lot of local guys, their OGs, don't even see how just what they do helps an economy from a day and age where you would take somebody under your wing and just take them as an apprenticeship. And nowadays, schools kind of outsource that. They do internships and they do a skill-based level where they're able to find a monetization off of that. Instead, the internship is different than the apprenticeship because the apprentice is a one-on-one -on -one type of close-knit mentorship that someone takes on with a lot of trust. And you might still see that in certain trades. Like if you go into the tattoo industry, you'll see guys still going ahead and taking on apprentice. Or if you go into a barber, you might see a barber take on an apprentice. But it's not as common. And that's how a lot of these OGs in neighborhoods, they would help out by taking a young dude under your wing and teaching him a craft, teaching him a trade. When you start getting um, these young millennials that are able to learn something, you start increasing their level of productivity. Um, a lot of guys get out of school, and I know it was the same for me too, and it might be the same for many of y'all, and you see that we come out at a disadvantage because there's a lot that we end up being ignorant to and naive at the same time because the purpose of education is really a level of indoctrination because they want you to be very well trained in order to adapt to information and kind of follow on a status quo rather than you have information that's going to arm you to actually be a very productive and assertive person in society. That's why most people, by the time that they graduate or they get out of school, unless you decide to pay for further education, you're not going to get the real information that society is built off of. That's why you have so many people that don't understand anything about law. You know, we're all told to abide by them, but so many people know nothing about them or what laws they're even breaking. Maybe five or six of the very basic laws until you run into the law and you're convicted or you go through some type of sentencing, then you find out about the law. But that's really the wrong way to teach anybody about law in a society. We don't know about banking. We're not taught anything about banking. How many people end up going into debt or dealing with their bank accounts going into default before they start to get it right because there's nothing that really teaches you about that. They don't teach you about housing, economics, business. A lot of people don't know anything about business, not just starting their own, but how a supply chain even works from manufacturer all the way till it gets to the retail business. There's so much about business that we're not taught. Government. 
we don't know exactly how policies and stuff in government actually work. And a lot of this stuff has to be taught in home. And the, if the school isn't going to do it, but most of the people that have to do the teaching, it wasn't taught to them either. So when we go to finance, trade, government, business, economics, housing, banking, law, all these things that most people, by the time they get into their late 30s, mid to late 30s, that's when they start picking up on how these things work because they went through the trials and tribulations of feeling the negative effects of them. And that's the problem. And a lot of the kids, they don't even want to be bothered. How is the blind going to teach the blind? How's the deaf going to lead the blind? You can't do it like that. And that's what we're seeing right now is a lot of dependency because it's easier because we have been left in such um, a state of ignorance that we don't know what else to do but to rely on the powers that be. And it was never built to be that way. That's why we're seeing uh, a level of governing that's not sustainable right now where there's so much shaking where you can't keep its doors open and then we have value of the dollars dropping and you know all these things if you really think that it was about a wall a wall is why they're going through what they're going through it's not a wall the wall the wall is about five billion dollars that's that's what they would have to pay for the expense of the wall is about five billion the government's annual budget is about $4 trillion annually. $4 trillion. They already have about $23 trillion of missing government funds that they can't account for. So they are not having a problem with just a wall. There's way bigger financial mechanics taking place globally. We're about to get a new president, a new United States a citizen that's going to be president of the World Bank. That's the global financial sector for everybody. And they're making decisions on where to relocate the central banking hub of the world. Basically moving it from the Federal Reserve that right now exists in the United States. So there's a lot of things taking place that people aren't even thinking about that they're worried about politicians. This, What are you going to do and how are you going to bring skill sets that you can take anywhere and you'll be safeguarded? How are you going to go ahead and have a skill set that you can utilize to barter with your neighbor or someone in your community one-on-one? -on -one? This is what we have to get back to. How are you going to go ahead and learn about financing and banking from within your home and practice that within your home and within your community. These are some of the trades that we have to start teaching, not just only to our kids, but learning amongst ourselves. We are in the information age. We are in the technological boom. This is, this, this is that age that everything is coming to a fold and there's nothing you can't learn right now. These kids have a resource in the palm of their hand that tells them everything. Everything today. You can find out anything that you want to find out. You can study anything that you want to and become a professor damn near on it. And that's what we have to take advantage of. 
There's no reason that, or let me say this, there's no excuse that anyone has to be ignorant. The information is there. If you are ignorant to certain things, that's on you. And I take accountability for the things that I don't know, but I will put myself in the position to continue learning, and so should you. So that was the show today. Not too long, but anyways, check out infinitelifelived.com. That's where you can get a lot of my clothing, a lot of the branding, a lot of the stuff that's motivating. Keep your mind tight. Keep your head tight. Get your grind right. Anybody that wants to be able to get services for web design, branding, business building, go to imperialmediadesign.com. You can find everything that you need for all that there. I thank y'all for listening to episode five. We're going to chop it up again, and it's been real, and we're going to keep getting it, and y'all keep getting that knowledge and keep the information flowing along with the imagination. Love y'all. Peace.